Good to see you all. Thanks for being here at the gathering today. My name is Steve, and I am the lead pastor here at Discovery. want to wish all of the moms a happy Mother's Day. We can uh, celebrate our moms here for a moment. <clears throat> um, Mother's Day, you know, and Father's Day, these, these sorts of moments are interesting um, in the life of our church and just in, in sort of general. Um, and so a couple of things that we always like to say when we come to these days is this. First of all, we love... Uh, and celebrate and honor our moms and the great task that it is to parent the next generation. Um, but we also acknowledge that a day like this can be difficult for uh, many of us, can be challenging for a variety of reasons because of our either our relationship or lack thereof uh, with our mom. Um, maybe we uh, have experienced some things where we're not able to be a mother. And I also think that the church, just in general, has tended to elevate motherhood to sort of the ultimate expression of what it means to be a female created in the image of God. And I think that's a great disservice to women. Um, and, and while motherhood is awesome and a very high calling, there's so much more to being created in God's image uh, than just bearing children. Are you with me? So I want to begin this morning just by acknowledging those things and then I want to pray for us uh, before we get into our conversation here in Mark. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do know that a day like today can be, uh, can be heavy. That on the one hand, it is celebratory, it is, it's good to honor mothers, but there's also many aspects of this day that can be um, full of lament. And so, God, may we be a community here that can hold both of those things together, the joy and the celebration, but also the grief and the lament. And so wherever we might be with that this morning, God, I ask you to hold it for us. We also bring so many other things in. We're in the middle of a, of a busy quarter. Uh, the month of May it just tends to be crazy here in Davis for folks, uh, no matter what they are, are doing. And so in the midst of that busyness and all the different things that we hold, God, we pray that you would meet us this morning. We know that you are here already at work. And so uh, would you give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear what it is you want to speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, you can meet me in Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read a fairly long section for us this morning. Um, one of the more interesting uh, and important stories that Jesus tells. So Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen as well. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake. While well, all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen. Always a good way to begin a teaching. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. He was scattering the seed, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. And it came up, and it grew, and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, just as we prayed a moment ago, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God. Okay, that sounds like a big deal, right? The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. Right, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. But others, like seed sown on good soil, a hundred to the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. The word of the Lord. All right, what have you given yourself to? Is there a passion in your life that you have gotten sort of captured by, caught up in, that you have wholeheartedly given yourself to? What is your passion? Maybe it's, maybe it's Frisbee golf. Children, or maybe it's Mario Kart. That resonated, I guess. <laughs> Is there something that you have wholeheartedly dedicated yourself to? Now, in general, the more that we give ourselves to a task, the more we tend to get out of it. Surely after this story, Jesus says it this way. This is Mark 4, verses 24 and 25. With the measure you use... It will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. The measure you give is the measure you get. The measure you give is the measure you get. Now, this is not Jesus reflecting some sort of karmic idea, right? Like put something good into the universe and manifest your dreams in return. What Jesus is talking about here is, is what we would call an upside-down kingdom truth. That when we sacrifice for his kingdom, when we lay our lives down to follow in his ways, paradoxically, that's where we find life. Jesus says, lose your life to gain it. The measure you give is the measure you get. Now this is week four here of our time in Mark. Remember that Mark is this fast-paced version of the Jesus story. It's, it's, if you're watching a, a movie, it's quick cuts, short scenes. He, he repeatedly uses the word immediately. All of this is part of a technique to, to create urgency. 
And Mark wants us to feel the urgency of the life and ministry and work of Jesus. But there are these moments where he will slow down, and this is one of those times, which means that what happens here in this boat, right, in front of this crowd, what happens here is really important. What Jesus does here is very meta. Using a story, a parable, to talk about why he tells stories. So we're going to talk here for a moment about what Jesus does, what the story means, and then what it means for us. So Jesus tells what is actually, this may sound heretical, but he tells what is actually a kind of boring and dumb story. All right, this is not a parable. People, they would have felt all sorts of things as they were listening to Jesus tell that story. They would have had strong reactions, emotions that would have come up. This story has none of that drama. Not only that, Jesus is speaking to people who farmed. He's speaking to people who farmed. They understood seeds and soils, and the reaction would have been a resounding, duh. Like, if you plant seeds on the road, it's not going to grow. If you plant seeds in good soil, it's going to grow. Like, we all know this. The one thing that would have stood out, the one sort of shocking element here is the harvest. So he tells this story and it's like, okay, we get it. Like, seeds in good soil, you get a, you get a harvest, right? We all know this. But then Jesus says the harvest will be 30 times, 16 times, or 100 times. 30 times is like phenomenal. Like that's like the best year that you could sort of hope for. Uh, 60 times or 100 times is like, whoa. Like does this guy even know what he's talking about? This kind of harvest is almost impossible for them to imagine. So many people are thinking here, okay, we get it, but, but does Jesus get it? Like, does he, does he even know what he's talking about? <clears throat> now, Jesus is not dumb or boring, okay? He's not dumb or boring. He's very intentional with what he is doing in this story, which is a very interesting thing, right? Like, Jesus doesn't want people to get it. It's kind of the opposite of what you want to do when you're a teacher. Like when, like when, I, when I prep a sermon and when I give a sermon, I'm like, man, I really hope they, they understand what I'm saying. Jesus intentionally tells a story knowing no one is going to get this. In fact, I don't really want anybody to get it. Because what he's doing here is he wants to see what they do with that. What do they do with the reality that they don't understand what he's talking about? Now, later on, Jesus says this really interesting thing, right? I actually tell stories to obscure the truth, to make it harder for people. Seems like a weird thing to say. Now, in, in sports, or when you're learning any skill, you want to try to find the sweet spot, right, between challenge and frustration. If a task is too frustrating, you will feel like a failure most of the time, and you'll, you'll do what? You'll quit. Right? I don't want to do that. I, don't, I can't. This is me in golf. Like, I, why do I want to do that? 
If there's no challenge, though, you won't improve and grow to master the skill. So Jesus here is pushing people on purpose. He wants to see who's going to get frustrated and walk away and who's going to feel challenged and step up. Which brings us to two fundamental truths about our relational God. God rewards curiosity and God loves explorers. Now, of course... Theologically, God loves everybody. But because God is relational, right, exists as a community, three persons in one being, Father, Son, and Spirit, because God is community and because not as robots, not as like little programs that he's created, but as people, because God is relational, he does not force himself on us. And if anything, he plays it a little bit coy on purpose. Who's going to seek? Who's curious? Who wants more? Who's ready to explore? This is one of the reasons why I get really frustrated over churches, church cultures that tend to shut down questions. Because in a lot of ways, shutting down questions is the antithesis of God's relationality. And yes, we can certainly hide in our questions. Questions can actually be this way of non-seeking. But on the whole, in my experience, if people are asking questions, they're almost always on to something. They're on the with God way. And so we should encourage question asking as much as possible because God loves it when we seek more. So, Jesus tells this weird story, says whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, and then, like, does he sail off? Like, how does that work? He's on a boat, right? So he's just, like, out, and then they, like, like, it would be really funny to watch that, I think. Anyway, so he, he takes off, and a lot of people are like, we came out here for this? Some bad farming tips? Like, what? But this smaller group has a different reaction, right? They have this sort of like, wait a minute. And so they go and they ask him about the parables. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables and he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Which is, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but to me, like, that is a huge statement. Right, the secret of the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What is the secret of the kingdom? I don't know about you, but I'm sort of expecting like a cool password, like, you know, a handshake. Or, or you know, maybe some of us are like, this is where Jesus gives the Illuminati. Here's what's really going on, like behind the scenes. Here's, here's who's really in charge. Maybe it's a number, number 42. If you know, you know. No, he says, you have this secret, but then he goes on with this like even more confusing statement, right? To those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, we're going to come back to that here in just a moment. But right now, let's hone in on the secret of the kingdom. The secret of the kingdom is this. Let's, let's start with what it's not, okay? The secret of the kingdom is not 
that the disciples and these other folks get it. Right, the whole thing is we don't get it. What was that all about? Tell us more. It's not that they're smarter or wiser or more spiritual than anyone else. It's not that they've been to seminary or read through one of those really big brick-like study Bibles. It's not that they are part of the inner ring or anything like that. The secret of the kingdom has nothing to do with status, achievement, letters after names, how many churches you've planted, none of those things. It doesn't even have to do with understanding what Jesus is saying to Jesus. I don't know, thousands of people hear this story. Most of them walk off thinking like, what's the big deal? But this group goes back and they ask for more. There's some really interesting things going on here, I think, in that, in that posture. There's an element of confession. We don't understand. Right? There's an element of humility. Help us understand what it is that you are talking about. And then there's curiosity, right? There's curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat, but it is the secret of the kingdom of God. That's what this whole thing is all about. Jesus wants to see, will you seek and explore and keep on seeking and exploring, or are you done? Are you good? Have you got it all figured out? Did you crack the code? I, had a, I was at a camp last summer. I had a conversation with a guy you know, you, you do the like, hey, these are my kids, and blah, 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 where do you live, all that kind of stuff. And then he goes, what do you do? And so I'm like, well, I'm a pastor of a church, blah, 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 whatever. And he goes, oh, cool, let me tell you some things. Okay, here we go. And he, he spent the next, like, 30 minutes explaining how you can understand everything in the Bible and everything that is happening in our current events through the lens of Genesis 6. Which is, to his credit, a very interesting chapter in the larger story of the Bible. But, but do you see what I'm saying here? Like, he figured it out. He figured it all out. He cracked the code. Genesis 6, the answer to everything. Remember last week, actually the last couple of weeks, Mark 2 and 3, we see the Pharisees, the religious leadership of the day, they were so tied into their systems. They thought they had it all figured out, but when God showed up in the flesh, couldn't see it, couldn't hear it, couldn't recognize it. This is the danger that we grow complacent, that we get comfortable with our systems and our easy answers, and that's it, we're done. Meanwhile, Jesus says, the secret of the kingdom is me. The secret of the kingdom is me. Seek more of me. Now, a quick word about some of the confusing stuff in the middle and, and some, I think, very natural reactions to this story. Sometimes there's this fearful reaction that we have to a, a parable like this. Like, what if I'm the road, right? Like, has Satan come and, like, like our birds stealing the... You know, we, and we have this like, ah, what if I'm not in the right place? First of all, I think that if, if that's your response, you're actually on the right track. You're on the right track because that concern can fuel curiosity. 
It can overwhelm complacency and it can lead us to seek more of Jesus. But the, new, the good news is even better than that. The number one command in scripture is to fear not. And we're told later on in the New Testament that perfect love drives out fear. Jesus is not trying to scare you with this story. The, the gospel of Mark, is Mark tells the Jesus story, he's not trying to, to, what he's trying to do is wake us up. He's trying to wake us up. This is not about fear. This is about being fully alive. It's about being fully alive and engaged with Jesus. We shouldn't live in fear of, oh, what if I'm not good soil or, you know, I'll have this or that or the other. This is a story. It is a metaphor. It doesn't explain everything. This is not the mechanics, uh, again, or, or that sort of like inside, like this is how it all works. Jesus is trying to encourage seeking. He's not trying to explain every last detail of how salvation works or whatever. He wants us to seek more of him. Are you with me? We cannot level up and, and work ourselves from one soil to another. What we can do is seek more of Jesus. And trust that in that seeking, he will transform us into good soil. That he will produce a harvest of, that's not on us, that's on him, on 30, 60, 100 times. We seek Jesus transforms. Now that being said, there is a response that this story invites us into. So I want to talk about just a couple of practical ways that we can be seeking more of Jesus, understanding that there will be as many responses as there are people in the room this morning. First, we can seek more of Jesus by asking good questions, by cultivating curiosity. As I said before, we can certainly hide in our questions, but again, most of the time, when we're asking good questions, we are deep into seeking and exploring. So my encouragement to you is not to like, I don't know about, I don't know if I can ask that, like lean into that, ask those questions, name them, write them down, talk them over with some good friends, take them to scripture and see what the Bible says in response to that. What are your questions? Ask them. If it helps you imagine, Jesus is on that boat begging you to ask them, to seek more. Second, we seek more of Jesus by engaging in the practices, what are sometimes called the spiritual disciplines. Right? We here at Discovery, we're a practice-based community. We have been uh, moving through these practices for the last four years now. And we have tons of resources on our webpage. You heard about that a moment ago. Uh, from Gabby and Antonio, discoverydavis.org. Go there anytime, click on our practices. All those resources are there. Now, the practices in and of themselves are not magical. It's not like, you know, fast or, or prayers, you know, and like stuff happens. They are a means. They are a means through which we can seek more of Jesus, experience more of Jesus. They help cultivate. Think of them as like the... Uh, the, the tractor, if you will, that is tilling up the soil. All right, so we ask good questions. We engage the practices, and then we seek more of Jesus by participating in community. 
Now, there's a, a theological component to this. As we said before, God is relationship. We experience God through relationship with him and with each other. We cannot be good soil in isolation. Now, on a practical side of this, there's all sorts of ways to participate in community. Coming to gatherings, uh, joining one of our neighborhood communities, which, again, if you don't know what that is and want to learn more about that, the connection table is a great place to find out about those. Serving on a team here. And then, again, so many other ways to participate in community. Now, here's, here's I think, the challenge for us this morning as a church in Davis. I often have, have a conversation with people who, who feel stagnant or stuck in some way. And, and um, I mean, all, all sorts of language you can kind of put on that, that feeling, right? But as we dig in, I almost always find that there's low community participation. Not, not necessarily true in every case. But oftentimes, there's this low community participation. And, and I do wonder if that's not so much that person's fault as it is just a cultural reality here in Davis, California. Because when I think about Davis, and this is not meant to necessarily be a criticism, just a statement of reality. When I think about Davis, I, I mean, thorny soil is a really great description of what we deal with here. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, which is... That could be a lot of things, right? The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. So many good things for us to participate in here in this community. But we need to make some decisions, right? We need to have some discernment. If we say yes to everything, we may find ourselves wondering why we don't feel connected. We, we may wonder why God seems distant or why we are, are feeling stagnated. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, guilt us into participation here at all. But I think this story does ask a very pointed and real question, which is, are we simply too busy to seek more of Jesus? Are we simply too busy to seek more of Jesus? Which brings us back to where we started. What have you given yourself to? What have you given yourself to? The measure we give is the measure we receive, Jesus says. Now again, the good news here is that following Jesus, this is our, one of our kind of basic definitions of what it means to be a disciple. Following Jesus is just taking the next step. Seeking more. And trusting that as we seek, God will transform us into good soil. Now another way that we, that we can seek more of Jesus is to come to the table. It's one of the reasons why we do this, why, why, why we celebrate communion every Sunday when we gather. Is to have this very real, tangible encounter with Jesus, who came, lived with us, grew up among us, taught us, and then gave his life for us. 
so that we can have life, that as we give our life to him, we find life of seeking more. Are there questions that you have that you need to ask? Are there practices that you need to engage in that might open up something for you? Are there uh, ways that you can participate in our community? We're going to spend a few moments here uh, singing some songs. And during that time, whenever you're ready, come to the table. We'll also have some folks on either side uh, of the theater here. Uh, if you want, would like to pray with someone about anything that we've talked about today or other stuff that's going on, be happy to pray with you. Let me read this and then I'll pray and then we will enter into worship and communion. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Jesus is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the good news, right? We seek Jesus transforms. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we begin with confession. And we confess that at times we can be overcome by the worries of this life, by the deceitfulness of wealth, by so many other things that pull at our attention, that make claims on our affections. That can form us or deform us in so many different ways. So Father, we want to lay that down this morning to create space to be able to seek more of you. Thank you for this truth that the secret of the kingdom of God is not how good we are, how smart we are, how much we've learned, how much we've done for you, but that the secret of the kingdom is simply to seek you more, to be with you. And for the truth that as we seek, you transform us. We don't have to work ourselves up to good soil. You are doing the work in our life, creating good soil that will produce a harvest. So I pray, God, over our community this morning that we would be a church that seeks you, that seeks more of you, and that in doing so, we would find you in all kinds of new and interesting and fresh ways. May we seek and may you transform. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.